0: recording now it is so nice to meet you you go by josh right josh Campbell. Yeah, yeah okay uh-huh. great um josh, is. Is. yes okay <laughs> <laughs> um it is so nice to meet you i was really taken by the email i got from you which described your work um and the thing that i your work is um is very it sounds very absorbing and engaging like it took you a really long time to get yeah. this most recent workout which if I'm correct is called book two is that the book. name of like book one two parts can you explain yeah, yeah.
1: okay so it's it's called two stories I, I have okay. a copy of it but oh, it just beautiful. got released today and so I'm sure by the time this airs like maybe later but um but yeah and and uh, it's it's a two part graphic novel, um, that's about sort of my uh, struggles with mental illness and uh, some issues of like losing faith and kind of regaining it. And it's told in a really like candid, kind of no holes barred uh, way. Um, and yeah, these these are definitely time consuming pages. I, I hand letter and hand ink all of the uh, the pages and kind of draw pretty meticulously in, in a couple of varying styles to sort of fit the themes, but they're definitely very time consuming. Cartooning is a, it, it's like if you're a writer and you want your novel to kind of move at an even slower pace then uh, a novel. You're
0: going to draw. <laughs> yeah.
1: Cause for every sentence you write, it's like, that's, that's, potentially a week, you know, of (laughs) um, drawing
0: the camera. I just want to see the interior a little bit. Do you mind like just flipping it a bit? Yeah, of course.
1: So, um, so, and I can show original pages, although I'm sure for like the podcast that won't be super (gasps) exciting. um, I'm just curious. I was curious about the
0: different styles that I'm seeing.
1: Yeah. So like the styles, um, stylistically, it goes from stuff like this. that's like highly rendered, really realistic, um very graphic black and white um sort of in the tradition of like our crumb and uh, I was going to say
0: I definitely see our crumb in there when I just yeah. saw the first yeah and how did yeah. you decide like when you start thank you so much that's very helpful for me and then it's a different style right the back
1: yeah and this then it switches the to sort of yeah so it switches back and forth from these like highly rendered uh images to let me find a good example to like kind of like what i like to call like a wonky mary blair style (laughs) it's (laughs) very like uh it's very like shape-based but it's definitely not as like clean and and pretty as as mary blair's work which i which i looked at and admire a lot and 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 influenced by for that style too
0: Um, how um what came first like how did you first embark on this project
1: so um so i've been an illustrator for a long time and i've worked professionally for clients ranging from like random house to scholastic i've illustrated other people's books i've illustrated a lot of stuff that i got known for in illustration was like this kind of pulpy like b movie poster type stuff so like uh for my literary nerd friends out there i did this design called like attack of literacy that went pretty viral online and became a really popular t-shirt And uh, so I was doing a lot of like t-shirt art. I definitely feel like I've
0: seen your stuff before. Like I'm looking, I'm looking at your illustration page, which by the way, I highly recommend going to Josh's website and just checking out his work because it's really incredible. But I definitely see some familiar some yeah, like, the thing. most
1: familiar are probably, like, Captain Obvious, yeah. uh, Attack Literacy, and then this one I did called Puppet Checkup, that's, like, permit the Frog getting an X-ray, and you see, like, a, the, the X-ray of a hand inside of him. Oh um, and true. so it's, like, very, like, comical, kind of fun, uh, like, very, like, B-movie, riffy-type art, and yet, like, and, and, and I was doing comics professionally, um, an illustration professionally, but I, I kept feeling this desire to tell stories that um, talked about truth and talked about real struggles. And, uh, and a, a, quite a few years back, I went through kind of a mental health crisis with my wife. We had been through some really traumatic experiences um, one, one of which was like, I, I got jumped and beaten in Long Beach and got like most of my portfolio stolen. This is always a fun interview, right. <laughs> for this, for this, uh, story. Cause it always starts pretty heavy. But, um, but I remember like, so there was like PTSD and a lot of issues after that. And my wife already, um, uh, struggles with uh panic disorder and, um, I struggle with like severe depression and so it's like just this perfect cocktail. Like we moved to Portland, Oregon, and we're isolated from friends mm. and family, which is How like. How long ago where, did you
0: when did you move?
1: Um, that was probably like back in two thousand six. So okay, um, okay, yeah, and then uh, so we we found ourselves in this kind of perfect cocktail situation where you know, at, as those of us who like suffer from mental illness know, like it always wants you isolated. It always mm-hmm. wants you alone. It always wants mm-hmm. you panicked. It always mm-hmm. wants you like mm-hmm. in your own head and not, not really like seeking out like contact or connection with the world. And, and definitely tries to convince you that like you're alone in it. Um, you're alone in the struggle. And so like one of the struggles with that going through it was, you know, I felt very suicidal. My wife was having massive panic attacks. And uh, and it and it got to the point where I literally like was like on a, on um, Burnside Bridge, like standing on the edge of it, ready to jump off. And I, and luckily, I kind of froze, and and at the time, I felt like I was being a coward by freezing and not doing it, mm. um, because that's where my my mental process had gone at that point. Um. But it had gotten so heavy, um, and yet what was weird was whenever, like, you know, before and after the bridge incident, if I tried to, like, talk to people about it, um, they would sort of pretty up the conversation mm. or change the topic or try to, like, go, well, on the bright side, you know, and...
0: Just in and talking was... about depression at all or de- talking about, I mean, what was, like, anything that you described that you were mainly about.
1: Through. Yeah, mainly about depression, about, like, suicidal ideation um, and and panic and anxiety. And, like, the topic just always was, like, wanting to shift. Um, even from, like, really close, great great friends of mine who, like, do care. It's just a hard topic to broach because, like, nobody talks about it. Mm, that's so, right. I remember when it, um, my wife and I kind of, um, we got through that experience, and that's a lot of what this book is about. Um, but coming out of it i I became convinced to to go back to college to finish my graduate degree, which I had dropped out of during the time when I had gotten jumped and uh and what was interesting was coming back to graduate school um i i just i knew I wanted to focus on work that was like, what would I do if like money weren't an object mm. you know like would I be making? like gimmicky t-shirts that are cool. And I love, I would wear myself. Like I have a pretty strong sense of humor and I love that stuff. That's why I did it, you know, but, um, would I be doing that or would I be uh, doing something more like, um, like attempting to write like literature in the medium that I love and also talk about something that I feel is important to talk about and talk about openly because I think one of the, the most difficult things about, when you're going through, uh, struggles, like, like, you know, and if you look up the statistics on it, it's like a very large percentage of men have hardcore suicidal ideation <laughs> at some point in their lives. Um, a, a good percentage of women and men, uh, suffer from uh panic disorder and, and anxiety. Um, mental illness is not like as rare or as kind of, um, as, as something that needs to be treated with kid gloves, as I think our Agreed. society likes to treat yeah, it. Absolutely.
0: I think the kid gloves is actually stigma. I mean, I just I think it's like blatantly like scared, like totally. oh, what will happen if I actually talk about suicide? Like yeah, someone, yeah. you know, may fall prey to it, but it, it's yeah. like, that's actually what's like leading to. So that,
1: for me, that, that did not help. Like not talking yeah. about it didn't help or, yeah. or, um, or help me to like get through it because like part of it was feeling like I was this unique person going through this unique experience that like no one could relate to. Um, which is very like, you know, even now I I have occasional bouts of depression and it's like, it always, when I'm out of it, I can always kind of see it as like my mindset almost gets to like where it was when I was a teenager, (laughs) you know? I know. Um, but it's, but it's one of those things where it, I think it's important to talk about honestly, directly, and to kind of encourage people by talking about our experiences. Like, that's why I really wanted to be on, on your podcast, um, because I think it's so great that you talk really openly about struggles with mental illness, that you have a website to help people deal with that. I think that's really important, and I see that more and more. It, it encourages me a lot, um, seeing that in our in our society. I'm like, I love like, there's a show called the mental illness, happy hour. That's one of my It's so good.
0: Yeah. Um, And have you listened to the hilarious world of depression? I assume?
1: Oh, um, yes. And I I just like, I love that. I love that people are being vulnerable and opening up about it. And I and uh, that's why I created this book is to try to kind of be a part of that conversation and help people out there. And the cool thing is like, um, you know, it just released today, but I've already heard from readers who have gone through bouts of depression. I also talk really openly about caregiving in it. Um, because when you're dealing with someone else who's suffering from mental illness, there is a whole caregiving element to it that a lot of people aren't open about either. And so that can make somebody in a caregiving situation feel like they're like this imperfect, terrible person. because, Like one day, they're just like, I don't really want to buy groceries today. Like, could you get off the couch and you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. yeah, which totally. is terrible. But yeah. we all, we've, you know, like um, these are things people deal with. And I think like in order to be able to kind of, um, to to feel less isolated and alone, we need to hear other people's stories with that. So, so in that scenario, you know, like I've gotten emails from people who've, who've uh, suffered from depression and felt like a lot of, um, hope from reading the book, which is weird, because it's not like the most hopeful book.
0: (laughs) But But um, but not feeling alone, not feeling alone is one of the most hopeful things in the whole world. When you sat down to write your book, I mean, did you do did you do it first as words? Or like, how, how did how what was your process around that?
1: Yeah. So, um, so, so like I said, it's in like two volumes. So it's, it's kind of neat. Cause I have um, right now I'm in the thick of the second book, but what I do is um, I have like the story arc mapped out like that. I mapped out years ago um, and that's just like the bullet points and the way that I structured the story is pretty transparent. So if you buy the story, it's like, I intentionally am like, you know, I started off with the stakes and I call it the stakes. Like, so you know what the stakes are in the story. Um, When there's conflict, when there's rising action, like that's usually the title of the chapter um, is based on the structure of the story. So that's what I work out first is just like plot points. Um, Next, I script it out um, and I fully script it out. I send it to uh, editors that I know um, Mm. because when I first made the book, I didn't have a publishing deal at first for it. And so um, I just kind of forged forward (laughs) and uh, and, but I did send it to a lot of editors. I knew um, uh, some people like Deanna Schutz, who's, who's, she's brilliant. She's like um, was the senior editor at dark horse and worked with like Frank Miller. And people are really way better than me. Like Dave Sim, like legends in the comic uh, world. But for some reason she saw a lot of potential in what I was doing. And so gave me a lot of um, really valuable feedback early on in that script stage. So I do that script. And then from there I break down the script and do like roughs. And uh, I'm pretty transparent about that too. So I usually post them to Instagram as I'm doing them. Um, And part of that, like you're a writer too. So you probably know it's like you kind of need um, methods of accountability to make sure you're making progress. And for me, the best accountability is like public visual accountability so mm. I've, I've set myself a goal to try to post like one thing a day and if that's like at the rough stage I need to rough out one page a day um if it's like even if it's scripting it's like I need to post like one page of progress a day um, and you
0: post do you post that as well you post the scripting yeah all stuff? on
1: Instagram yeah and, and, and it's, it's just it's your, a little, yeah yeah it's a little scary because it's vulnerable and it's like when you see a rough it's not going to look like right. as as qual- high quality as as the final but it, it it's like a psychological trip trick to for me to keep going on making the books and then from there I like uh I'll shoot photo references I'll wow. um and then I basically rough out the pages um uh sketch them like uh, draw draw them on paper and then I ink them on like these giant 18 by 24. Do you have one there? Uh, Russell I was I, just I, curious I one. I'll go grab it. Yeah one. I want to see it. So I have them all like kept in this giant thing, um and I exhibited a couple of these like for my grad project because that's how it started. And then, um but yeah, so here I think I have the cover. I can show you that.
0: And by the way, so all like, this time you also oh my, it's so beautiful.
1: Yeah, it's so, so it's like,
0: cool. It's and so I'm, detailed. Like,
1: yeah, I like working this big because when it reduces down, it just looks like impossibly
0: detailed. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Wait, how does it reduce? Like what happens next? What what happens to that? You then send that in? So to then the I publisher. Have
1: to, so what I do is I scan it um, because I've worked in illustration and then I'm an okay. art director full time. So yeah. I do book layout and stuff all the yeah. time. Um, and so what I do is scan it in eights because it's okay. it's gigantic um and then i'll piece together the scans and kind of clean them up and then That's basically so do the book layout from there yeah it's, it's I, a there crazy is stories. it story. is
0: crazy i mean when i think about i worked with an illustrator and a designer for my book and um you know it it is there's is a little bit of this handoff quality um so i know what my job is and then i get to hand it off but the idea that you are in charge of like all of the parts, like yeah. not only the writing, not only the idea, not only the writing, not only the style, then the execution of every illustration is just, it's, it's just feels like so much work to me. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, I, it, it's kind of addictive. It's a weird thing. Like most cartoonists I know and meet uh, all, all suffer from weird um, mental illnesses. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I believe that. I um, totally believe that. I think that. we're all a little obsessive. and, and it's, maybe There's like a
0: puzzle quality, right? I mean, yeah, it's like I the same people like, who love puzzles.
1: Yeah. And I think there's an element of control with it for sure too, because like the cool thing about that medium is it's the most controlled medium I I can imagine. It's like you usually aren't going to be able to like film an entire movie on your own, be the cast, be the screenwriter, be the costume designer, you know, basically be everything. And then with, with novels, I mean, they're definitely comparable, but you don't have a lot of control over the visual, which is actually one of the great things about novels. (laughs) But um, with 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 comics like the cool thing about it is you're kind of able to do all of it as one human being. Yeah. Um and and there's you know there's a slew of cartoonists out there doing that and um and I think that's why because it's like it's one of the few areas where like you're not going to have like some boardroom kind of screw up your whole project. Yeah. Um and so yeah, so that's that's kind of How I much think, time
0: did it take considering that you have a full-time gig. I mean, or you are a full-time worker as an art director and illustrator. Yeah. How much time did it take to work on this? And you also have a daughter, right? You have a child? Uh, son, yeah. Oh, a son. Yeah. Okay. So you yeah. also were super busy as a parent. I mean, how yeah. how did you make time for this? Um, so so
1: I think it it's interesting because my son is um uh is autistic and and we found that out like luckily at an early enough age to get him like speech therapy and stuff like that. And like a lot of people, um, you know, I, I'm somebody who like, like I said, I've had, you know, um suffered from depression and stuff like for a good chunk of my life and have anxiety and all sorts of issues. And um and what's interesting is seeing my son and some of the telltale things for like autism, I, I definitely think I'm probably on like the kind of Asperger end of the spectrum of autism. Um and and just manage to somehow function, um, but I definitely think that. Just like the more I know, there the are more resonances. My wife there are to, resonances. Like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, "That's why you don't pick up like because I I've always been bad at like picking up social cues with people, mm. um, or like sticking to like one specific topic in a conversation that I'm interested in." <laughs> um, and so it's it, it's been interesting, but uh, but I think because of that. Um, I think that's given me a real strength in like just being really stubborn with my work habits. Like I get kind of militant about it. So with my son, it's like uh, once he's in bed from about nine o'clock to like two in the morning is my work time. And then, um, and then that's how I manage to get pages done. And I'm a big advocate for um, that sort of thing. If you're a person who feels like you're kind of put here, for whatever reason to kind of make something like you feel like you're supposed to write a novel or, or or write a a, a great epic graphic novel or whatever it is that you feel like you're meant to do. I, I have a lot of friends who are like highly talented who have not done a book and have the book they're going to do kind of that just gets pushed and pushed and pushed. And I do think like carving out, even if it's like 30 minutes a day, to kind of work towards your goal of getting those things done really helps. And that's, that's kind of what I did was just, I realized like, if I don't do this today, it's just going to be tomorrow that I don't do it. And then the next day, and then I'm going to be, you know, 50 and not have a book. And then I'm going to be 60 and not have a book. And it's just going to continue. Um, what does it
0: feel like to actually have that book today? Today's today? It feels
1: good. It feels, but, but it's funny. Cause you know, we, 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 uh, um, talking about like overthinking right yeah <laughs> it, it um it uh it feels good and yet it's also incredibly anxious yes. um it's like I I know from working on other books for like uh, I illustrated a book a long time ago for inside editions called barbarians a handbook for aspiring savages and I know like that was a hilarious book and uh and it had a decent amount of distribution and a good publisher. And yet, like, it didn't, it just didn't fly, you know, something about it just didn't launch. And so I know, and I've been a, a part of other projects like that. So I've been at it long enough to, like, not expect, like, tomorrow, like, the New York Times to call me up and be like, oh, you know, let's. Have an interview about your brilliant book by an indie publisher, you know, <laughs> but there is the anxiety of like I also um know the work you have to kind of do in order to promote, yeah, and so i and I overthink everything, and so it's just sort of like there's there's this kind of fine balance of putting a book out where I think you have to try to um maintain like first off, I have to maintain productivity on my next book right right um, because i'm I'm on the hook for two of these. <laughs> Um, and also I'm going to try to do the second one in a much quicker fashion Mm. now that my son's much older. It's like, there's a little bit of a, more of a window. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, so it's weird. It's like, I'm mixed with, I get these brief fleeting moments as a creative of joy. Like when I got the proof in the mail, i was like, yeah, I did it. And then it was (laughs) like the next day where I was like, I got to do the next thing. I got to get this thing to, um, so it is weird. It's like, I'm, I'm really ecstatic about it and I'm proud of it. I know I, I, I don't, I hope it doesn't sound cocky. I think when you're a writer, you know, when you've done something good though. Um, and, and I, this is like one of the first times I've put something out where I have like no doubts about it. Like, okay, that's really
0: amazing. That's amazing. What a great yeah. feeling. Yeah.
1: So that's, that's good. And I'm excited about people reading it. So that's, that's good. But, but it is funny with the overthinking, um, how yeah, do you think you're overthinking? That. Yeah,
0: is your overthinking around this about it getting out there and like wanting to like promote that, or is it something else around releasing it? Because I, I say this because I had a lot of feelings, like I felt yeah. like, like, sort of vulnerable, like very vulnerable. Yeah, um, it's almost like some sort of like debutante coming out feeling. It's like everyone's judging you. You're, I don't know. It's just very vulnerable. I have a good
1: example of why it's a little awkward sometimes. Like, so like this, this um, podcast, like I'm so excited about being on because it's like, it's about a lot of what I address in the book. And so there's a natural level of comfort that I have coming into it because I'm like, I've listened to your podcast. I know that, like, you're cool with vulnerability, right? Love it. Um, but, like, you know, like, I, 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 the local newspaper here, which I'm really thankful for, they ran a uh, an article on it, and of course, it was like, uh, artist uses art as therapy, right, as the right, title. Right, and right, I'm like, no, right? No, that's not. I mean, it yeah. kind of, but not. Yeah. Um, but I understand it because it's like a weird book to promote, and it's and I it's know. a weird feeling to kind of. Um, it's like. And you did this too, but it's like we kind of write ourselves into a situation where we have to open with vulnerability. Yeah, and so yep. in a weird way, it's yep. like it's a mix of freeing and also terrifying because it's like <laughs> I, I don't know. talk to everyone I know about like, hi, how's it going? Like, yeah. hey, you know, I have experienced suicidal ideation. I tried to kill cool myself. Been- <laughs> you know, like yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I know. You no, know? so do you think our people? Have you noticed anyone? Well, okay, what do you want people to know about? suicidal ideation in particular like is that that seems like a really crucial moment in the book like was that something that you really were trying because that seems like such a hard one to communicate a mindset around like yeah was it important to you
1: to try to do that I do. I want, I want people to understand where people are at in that frame of mind where, where I've been at when I was in that frame of mind. And, and I have to be cautious and like kind of, you know, um, use a lot of techniques and, and different skills I've developed um, throughout the years to kind of make sure I avoid going there. <laughs> um, yeah. and not I, avoiding is the wrong word. I, I just need to kind of nip the the negative thinking. Yes. At the I always describe it as things. like
0: to avoid, um, it's not avoiding. It's just like not taking this path.
1: Like, yeah, like, like you're just like taking that road isn't heading in a good direction. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and And so, uh sorry, I do think it's important for people to understand that like people, when they're going through that, they have their own rationalization, and a lot of people going through it aren't like necessarily insane like they they might actually just be interpreting not, things not that at all really stuck yeah, about yeah. our world, you know, yeah, and so it's like um, and I've read statistics on that too, where where people who tend to be more informed about the world actually are more prone to depression um and so I, I would th- not saying that I'm more informed. I, I'm I'm an idiot when it comes to a lot of things. But 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 the point being, like, I think that the more you learn about the world, like, depression is a possible um, issue that you're going to be struggling with, and especially when you start dealing with like social pressures that I think um, most of us, um, and and I know a lot of men are put under to like kind of grin and bear it. Um, to just kind of, to kind of tough it out, to, to let man it out, not talk about it. And, uh, and also just to, to like, sort of, um, to just make massive amounts of money. I mean, that's the mass pressure of our whole society. I think on all of us, you know, is like, you have to consume, you have to like make a lot of money. If you're a creative, you have to be the top creative. Um, if you have a book, it has to be a New York times bestseller. Right, right. Um, <laughs> right. All of these, all of these pressures that are both internal and societal, um, I think it's important to kind of talk about, and and I think it's good to give a, a realistic depiction of it, um, because, it, because now that I have like a seven year old son who like, wasn't even conceived when, when I was on a bridge, it just, it, it, it really is stunning to me and, and, uh, a, a bit terrifying that like, I, I could have cut that, um, cut that potential future off, um, by, by doing a, a really emotionally stupid, um, making one bad decision could kind of have ended all. Of
0: or just losing perspective. I mean, I feel like yeah. so much of what we talk about is just like, we, we lose perspective. And as a result, things go massively haywire.
1: 100%. What do you, does
0: your, yeah, does your I, son know that you have this book? Like, what does he know? He's seven years old. What does he know about the book?
1: Um, he knows dad has a book out and he he knows that I do. It's funny, like to kids, they, like what their parents do is never really like all that amazing. Like, I mean, he thought it was cool. Like we worked on a um, I can't talk about the company, but like at, at my day job, we work with like some pretty huge clients. And one of them is a giant video game company that has a certain iconic character that kids are kind of obsessed with that i grew up with in the 80s um, and we got to do like a bunch of collectible items for them yeah. and i think that's the most excited he's ever been about like <laughs> yeah, sort of yeah. what i do creatively because he was like <laughs> i know that character um but you know uh but yeah like i i definitely um you know this book is not for children <laughs> right so i right. haven't really let him read them yeah. Um, and and that's another reason, like when I work on this book, I, I also work on it pretty late. So he'll get a glimpse of like it, it, he's got an interesting life for a kid because his mom is a children's book illustrator. And wow. then uh, and then I'm a, a art director and a cartoonist. So he's just around like people who are like, I can't talk now. I'm drawing right. um, all <laughs> the time. So I think when he grows up and realizes like that's not like most people don't just draw for a living. Um, he might be like, Hey, that was pretty cool. But yeah. He, Does he, he draw? Does knowledge. he draw? Yeah, he draws, he draws awesome. Like <laughs> seven year old drawing <laughs> right, style. Right. It, it's pretty brilliant. Um, but it's fun to see him like kind of, uh, he hasn't really been like taught to make everything a symbol yet. Mm. Um, and so that makes me happy. Like, it's fun to see when it, when he's free and he's not like, Oh, you draw a star this way. Right. <laughs> Because um, I, I feel like the second we start learning uh, in art education, like the second children start learning, like when you use a triangle and a square to make a house, I think that tends to kind of almost ruin people's natural ability to draw and, and their growth in that. And I, I think it can stifle it. So it's fun to see before. Kind of I the system that. can come in and and be like, this is what a face looks like. A circle. That is, with
0: that is so yeah. right. I feel like you're so right about that. I, all of my worst habits are, or my, my terrible visual habits are from something that I thought is a shape that I'm yeah. supposed to use.
1: Yeah, and like we all have it. And then there's this point where some of us like try to actually start drawing what we really see. And, and I think most of us do. And I think it's just a difference between the people who are kind of crazy enough to be like, no, I'm just going to keep at this until I can. And yeah. the people who were like, well, I don't know. Cause I always drew a house right before when I was doing the triangle and the square. And now this like sucks, you know, <laughs> like, so I, 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 I definitely, um, I definitely feel like it's, uh, in art education, like, um, people could focus more on kind of teaching kids to draw what they see, like, and to kind of see and experience and express rather than just kind of like code it. And um, because it is, it is a weird, the drawing part, it's very much like English in the sense where there's like structure. Mm -hmm. um, But I feel like unlike English, a lot of the time, a lot of the early structure we're being taught is just not really conducive for like, um, expression,
0: you know? (laughs) Do you, yes. Do you think that anything would have been different for you if you had been doing this kind of work back during the bridge time? Like, do do you think that communicating your story or using your talents in this way might've helped you back then? Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I've always been pretty, open with people. So that's one, one thing I, I have had, um, whether they, they like it or not. (laughs) Um, I think it's a great trait. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like I I do, I do think talking about it in art, um, I, I think, I think because art is visual communication, like visual art is. And, and so I think that if, you are used to communicating visually, and you're going through something you haven't communicated visually. Um, you're going to feel like a muted person, like mm. you've been press mute, mm-hmm. and and that sort of thing, like the not talking about much, much very similar to like not talking about these issues like with your friends or relatives or or like just openly, honestly. I, I think without the ability to do that, people start feeling isolated. So mm. I definitely would say I think that by um, working through this, it, it has, it has helped me. Um,
0: it's going to be even more when people read it and come back to you. I feel like that's the process of like real healing. So that's starting. Yeah.
1: Um, and it's interesting because the second book gets more heavily into like some of the, the, um, harder stuff like that. I haven't fully dealt with. Mm. Like I've dealt with a lot of my depression and, um, through different means and one of them is through being creative like i think that we're not meant to just consume and like burn things like i think we're meant to build and make things and i think um that goes like physically like i think we're we're, we're meant to work <laughs> like we're meant to physically um you know exercise and like so if, if we don't exercise and we start feeling bad even though it's hard work to do it's like the, the benefit of it long term psychologically is way better that's helped me um i think like creatively we're supposed to be working out like we're supposed to be putting stuff out creatively and making things whether that's like making your own food making um you know, making like, I don't know, build a car in your garage, whatever it is.
0: You could not um, be more right, Josh, by the way. Yeah. You could not be more right. I feel like that is the path towards um helping your mental health, your emotional well-being, like is yeah. to to start making in some way.
1: Yeah. And so I think by by doing things that are like you're making and you're producing rather than consuming, I think the more you can move away from just flat out consumption and keep in mind, I, I love consuming a lot of things. Like I'm obsessed with Mandalorian right now. It's one of the best things ever. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, I, I think it, you have to find a fine balance where you are putting out as much as you're taking or, or, mm-hmm. or, uh, or consuming. And, and I, I have noticed like with uh, friends of mine and, and relatives, who like suffer with mental health issues. Usually if they're in a bout of like not creating or making like, they, they, they spiral, um, Mm. worse. And so, so I've observed that in myself and in others. Um, so that's helped. Um, a huge part of kind of, um, the second book that's, that's interesting and been difficult to read is when it starts getting into some of the, like when I was beaten and some other heavier stuff that I still think there's some trauma, Mm -hmm. um, even though I've dealt with it. And that's been really, um, I'd say much more, uh, almost more vulnerable to write about, which is strange.
0: Have you but ever, this whole- uh, experienced EDMR, by the way, EDMR? No, I haven't. Awesome? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what it is?
1: I, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've heard of it and I've, I've, I only um, ask because
0: people have said just such amazing things about discrete trauma experiences Yeah. Um. with this rapid eye movement. I mean, it just sounds like yeah. there's something about, retelling your story in the right environment when with this eye movement that seems to like change I'm just very curious about it I want to hear more from more people that do it so
1: yeah I'm actually really curious about it too I I think that that sounds pretty fascinating yeah I'd I'd be open to it yeah um there there's other things that have helped like one of the key things I'd say um is I mean, definitely, like medication when you need it is is smart. I love and it. I- I had a stigma against it. I even address it in the book, but it's like, I used to be that guy who like anyone who goes through a panic disorder or depression or anything like hates because I'd just be like, just tough it out. Like you've got the, you've got the power and the will. (laughs) But that's also
0: part of the depression. You know what I mean? Like when we say like, it wants you to be alone. It wants you to do this. It also does not want you to take medication. (laughs) I always, when people have anxiety, I'm always like that or fight medication so hard. I'm like, yeah, it's because you have anxiety. Like, yeah, You're fighting the thing you need most,
1: (laughs) for sure. Yeah, and 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 some of that has to do with I think we addressed this like before we you know did this, but we were talking about control. Yeah, and I think that has a huge part of it too. Like we like to pretend we're in full control of ourselves and our lives, and and there is something about finding healing and letting go of control and sort of accepting that you need help in whatever way that is. And I think that, um, for me, like, yeah, there's definitely been times even now to this day where I, where I will have times in my life where I will be on medication and times where I'm not. And usually my measure of that is like, if I'm having a really good day and I'm walking outside and I'm like, this is awesome. I should kill myself. I'm like, okay, I, it's like, that's not a normal, just random Mm -hmm. thought to have in your head. Like when Mm -hmm. things, especially when it's not situational, it's like. And that happens to me every once in a while. And so it's like, that's where I usually am like, okay, I need to be on medication.
0: Mm. Um,
1: And and then when, like, when I've, like, usually also tied in with that, like, I haven't been working out. I haven't been, you know, there's a lot of other things in life that I need to be doing. Um, but once I'm at a state where I don't feel the need for it, and I know it's not just like that temporary state that you have like a couple weeks in where you're like, I feel good now I'm gone. Um, uh, but, but, you know, like a, a, a year in or whatever, if I, I'm feeling like I can handle kind of ebbing down from it and my doctor agrees, like I definitely will. Um, so I, but it's funny because I was so hesitant to do medication until having a son, um mm-hmm. when I had a son, I just realized like I had a day like that where I was walking around and that was a random thought and I was like, I can't have that thought. Like right. if I have that thought, that's like messing with my kids' father. Like that's mm-hmm. just not cool. So um that's when I actually I, I went to the doctor and like they did the whole checklist and were like, Yeah, you need to be on on that medication, you know. So I think I think that's a good thing we shouldn't rule out. Um I definitely think exercise is a weird thing. I grew up like hating sports and just was kind of a nerdy, like literary kid. And like, kind of like had negative associations with like people who were athletic because I was just like, well, they're yeah. just like meatheads. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, as I've gotten older, the more I've realized, like, no, it's, it's like really important exercise to kind of feed your mind as well. Um, And also to keep the stamina to be able to do like the stuff we do because we're Mm -hmm. creatives. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. like, if I'm, if I'm needing to like write after working, you know, I work as an art director. So that means it can range from like I'm in for six hours or it could be like a 17 hour day. And it just depends on when the deadline is and what needs to get out. So when I'm balancing that on top of like sort of my own creative work um, I, it, it, if I want to sustain that, like I have to sustain my body. And so that's a huge thing. So, I mean, I big.
0: literally think of it as taking care of your brain. Like yeah. you have to move around to take care of your brain. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, yeah.
1: Yeah. And also that's also just one of those, um, talking to people about it is good because the first thing you do when you talk to like a professional about mental health struggles, I think most legitimate professionals will ask you like three questions at first <laughs> you know, are you and thinking like, of hurting
0: I, yourself? Yeah. Those? Well, yeah,
1: th- those two. But but um, but they'll also ask if you've been eating, if you've mm. been sleeping and if you've been exercising. Yeah, those and are. How yeah. have you been eating and how have you been sleeping and how have you been exercising? And like what's what's weird is if if one of those three is missing, like most of the work you do will help, but it's not going to solve a lot of core issues that are just caused specifically by just eating bad like <laughs> not sleeping well which as as somebody who suffers from anxiety and stuff like that like sleep is not a big strength of mine like I love sleep but I just I have trouble falling asleep that's mm-hmm. usually when I feel most anxious that's usually when I have the the um the stuff go through my head that like yeah. either I have to put down as an artist or I just um I'm gonna put into. well you sleep
0: In- at weird hours too right I mean oh, it's like yeah. two two to like 10 i don't know what time do you usually wake up
1: uh ab- about like uh eight in the morning so i probably in reality i'm not getting enough you're not sleep getting enough sleep as as a um creative but <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but you also morning. have a book delivery date i mean these things yeah, do yeah, come yeah. and go yeah for exactly. sure <laughs> um but yeah
1: like so i i do think there's like Things that I've developed. Um, one of the things that's helped me the most is just is my faith. Like I, I um, I'm a Christian, and and I've, I think that accepting that there's like a higher power, what, whatever that power is for you, I think that's really important for kind of processing the the sort of crazy world we live in. Like because, well, and um, you
0: also weren't for a while, right? Like you went through a long 100%. period. Yeah, yeah.
1: I am said about. Yeah, I spent about, and, and I talk about that in the book too, but, um, but I spent about, you know, a good 15 years as like a hardcore atheist. Um, and, and I would, I, I still to this day can argue myself wrong um, because of it. Cause I, I know that what I believe like relies, you know, pretty much a hundred percent on faith. And I think a spiritual experience, and I, I don't think um, people are going to change other people's minds about, um, their belief systems like that, like, like by harping on it or, or having a certain political persuasion. I don't, I don't think any of that's effective. Um, but I do think like spiritually it's possible. And I, but I think like having a belief in, in some kind of spiritual power, um, having a belief that, that there's a purpose, I think that for me was one of the most difficult things that drove me to sort of suicidal ideation was the idea of a life with no purpose or mm. an invented purpose. Cause for me, it was just so hard to navigate like, well, why should I be okay with just making up my own purpose? You know, mm. like cause I'm an overthinker. So I'm like, I'm not okay with that. Like I, that seems like it self canceled. It cancels itself out. Like I, so um, so like being able to um embrace the idea of a greater purpose outside of this life has actually been really helpful um and and very comforting um and which I wouldn't say why I believe it is because of comfort, but I would say there's a lot of comfort from believing it, so mm-hmm. it's definitely a good byproduct, but I definitely think that helps too, so I think spirituality um like having a faith in something greater than yourself um uh you know, exercise, (laughs) processing, discussing, vulnerability is huge too. Um, And that's why I love uh, what you're doing with this podcast. Like, I think having vulnerable discussions with people, being open about it, being open about like, hey, I tried this thing. It didn't really work. I tried this. This works for me. Um, I like that approach that you have too, where you're like, I mean, because a lot of this is also not like, black and white and I think black and white thinking can actually lead to a lot of um depression especially for people like us that are problem solvers and overthinkers yes it's like you're trying to find the solution so you're going to overthink yes there's no clear-cut solution um like my depression is not solved like it's not like I can write a check to depression and and be like we're paid off like you're you're done um I even like to call it, you know, like, a, and, and I use the visual of this, but I like to call it like a dark cloud. I've, I've heard other people have different nicknames. Yeah.
0: I mean, weather, weather is often a way, a metaphor for how the mind works, how emotions yeah. work, like how emotions come and go and move, weather yeah. patterns. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's it's interesting because, you know, my wife, similarly, a lot of the things I'm talking about have helped her as well with, um, with panic and, and anxiety. And, uh, and, and it's funny because we always joke that we're kind of the reverse of of the spectrum in the sense that like, I kind of freak out because I'm looking at the past And and that's depression. And that's the future. future. Yep. (laughs) That's anxiety.
0: I mean, people always say depression is the past. Anxiety is the future. That's, yeah, that's really classic. I think it's so interesting that it's taken us so well, I'm 46. So it's taken us so long to figure out really basic things about like eating (laughs) exercise. And like, they're so obvious. But when I was younger, I never thought like, Oh, you might be thirsty. Take care of yourself in the most basic way.
1: Yeah. And a lot of what helped me with that too was having a son, was like, because yeah. like the thing you're taught when, you're, when you have a newborn is like, you want to ask yourself three questions when you have your child, right? Like when they're upset, you're like, do they need to sleep? Do they need That's to right. eat? And have, yeah. they, have, they, have they gone to the restroom? <laughs> like, yes. Basically. Yes. And it's like, those are basic questions we ask about newborns. And yet, like, I barely know anybody who, you know, because we're so present in our own realities. I know. As, as humans, we're, we're kind of stuck in our own perception of things. Yes that we can forget to ask the most basic questions of ourselves that we would ask a a newborn. And yet, you know, we're a human as well who have needs (laughs) and we need food and we need (sighs) exercise and we need, you know, restroom breaks, whatever it is. And yet we won't ask ourselves half the time that. um, And and that actually ties into one of the biggest solutions that I've found, not that it's a final solution because there is none. Like these are things I think a lot of us will be living with for life. Oh, yeah, um you know and and, like I said we my wife and I have nicknames for our our thing because it's like, oh, that's I, I mean part of it's identifying it, which I think is what's important about a book like like the one I'm writing too, where it's like it's important to identify what it is, like it's important to like I know that for my wife, finding out about more about panic disorder has actually helped her um not have massive panic attacks a lot because yeah, when you know what, that when you know your enemy, right? Like you can better deal with it. Um, And so for me, like being able to accept, like, you know what, like I, I have, I have issues with depression and I need to face that head on. Like that's, but it helps me also to be able to identify when I hear depression talking and know that it's not me. It's this thought that it's this annoying friend that shows up.
0: Does your wife Um, help you to, my husband, like, can spot it now. He's like, Oh, that's that. And then that helps me start to learn to spot it. It's hard because you have to separate two voices that sound exactly the same in your head. They're both you, but like the one is actually, (laughs) it's just hard to get used to.
1: Yeah. And it's hard, like, you know, because as a a person who overthinks and a problem solver, it's like you also are like, that's actually helped me a lot in my life as well. Like, part of why I'm able to do well as an art director is I'm really good at troubleshooting and problem solving and thinking ahead. Yes. Um, to be able to kind of prevent future errors. Right. Yes. <laughs> like, which yes. is a huge, like that's essential for like um, managerial work and especially managerial work where, where it's project based and, you know, like failure to lead to a, a mass loss in money. Right. Yes. Uh, so it's a benefit. It's helped me in my life. Um, but some of that, um, can also cause you to doubt things like being able to just go, well, that's not just sort of situational where you're like trying to look at an issue that can be resolved. That's impossible and negative thinking. And it's so hard, I think, for people no. like us in that where to to be able to navigate between the two. So yeah, it, it is helpful to have a partner who will just call it out, be like, that's not, you're not like trying <laughs> to solve a problem right now. You're, yeah. you know, you're doing like, negative thinking. And, yeah, um, and then of course, as creatives, we also have the, I mean, we have a whole cornucopia of fun things to deal with. Like there's also imposter syndrome, you know? So, um, which, which I think most writers and artists have, um, and that that's always in there too. So it's just like,
0: well, the problem is for, especially if you're a reader and, or you love, let's say comic books, yeah. you have, you are deeply versed in the greatest of all time, right? Like you have read. Yeah. When I, my first, my first job was in book publishing and I worked with Nobel prize winners. No joke. I was like at this house that was like known for the greatest European writing. And, it made me think like what what do i actually have to say like how could i say anything compared to the greatest writers of all time like it's oh, yeah. and it's just the wrong scale and it's the wrong thing to be asking um but it's hard not to do that
1: yeah, I mean I, I will say there's a guy in our industry that you won't see hear a lot of cartoonists talk about. I mean they will talk about because he's the best, I think, alive in the industry for for the type of comics I do, but it's Chris Ware. I was he's gonna a, say it's Chris Ware.
0: A, I was thinking Chris Ware, right? I mean, yeah, yeah.
1: He's no doubt just like a genius, one of the most yeah. prolific cartoonists. Yeah. Yeah. Who's ever lived and and yeah. literally just writes masterpieces and and it's untouchable. It's just yeah. I, I don't know anyone who any cartoonist who's lived before that's touched right. what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. And so whenever I, I I always buy a Chris Ware book, but I try to book like two weeks of just I feel you. I totally <laughs> feel you. the residue afterwards of like yeah. trying to regain my ground to be a creative because I, I definitely um can fall prone to like the sort of comparative thing where I'm like and and one other thing that's helped is just as I've gotten to know like I'm a member of the National Cartoonist Society in Los Angeles and uh the the imposter syndrome in me when I got let in was like are you guys sure you want (laughs) to let me in like this is like a I like I didn't. you guys are big people I'm (laughs) nobody you know um But what's interesting is there are some really heavy hitter uh, cartoonists in there who've, you know, been published. They've had movie deals, things like that. And, and uh, some of them are like legends, like they're written into the whole history of cartooning and I meet them and I realize like they have similar struggles. Oh, absolutely. Most of them feel exactly the same way about their work. Most of them also have to take work that they don't like uh, for the money or for whatever Um, and, and most of them are dreaming of that opportunity to do books like what I just did. (laughs) Um, and so it's like, that's helped me as well. Like have a more realistic assessment of myself and my standing is just meeting some of my heroes and meeting some of the cartoons who've been at it for a while, who I just look at as like, you're on this different plane. And then you talk to them and you realize like, no, 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 we're all human. And that's just like, you know, ideation of a different, it's a,
0: it's a super important point. I wonder, Josh, if you would sometime collect for me, like, a reading list of some, and include, we want to include your book in it, but, like, some of the books that have really talked about emotional well-being or mental health in, as comic books or graphic novels, like, what are some of your favorites? I would love to hear that, Um, maybe for the site too. Um, okay. It's time to go, but I could talk to you for a really long time. I want to hear a lot more about your faith. It's really interesting, but I'm going to read first. I'm going to read your book and then maybe we can circle back for the next book. Cool. Sounds
1: great. <laughs> and thank you so much for having me on it. It's been fun. really. I, I love what you do with the podcast. I think it's really important. And I, and I do think it's, uh, it's cool to see other people in the fight that we're all kind of, I
0: know I can, I feel like I can really relate to you. Like so many of the things you say, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. yep. It's interesting how similar, I mean, I always say this about overthinkers, but like, I immediately feel like I understand (laughs) other overthinkers so quickly, even from like totally different backgrounds, totally different places. Like, but there's something about that, our spin And our like constant desire to figure things out. That's like very similar. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, Josh. Thank you so much. Thank you.